I don't think there's this kind of crisis at Munster. Yeah. Um, I just think Munster fans are still adapting to the fact that they're just nowhere near as good as Leinster. And I think it's very hard yeah. to a pill to swallow when you've come from the team of the Noddies. Joe presents House of Rugby, United Rugby Championship, together with Bank of Ireland, proud supporter of the four Irish provinces. Hello and welcome back to House of Rugby. It is the final show of this season and we have got a full house today. We've got Mr. Greg O'Shea. Hey Jason, how are you? Good, good. Yeah. We've got Lindsay Pete. Good morning. Good morning. Afternoon. Good, good afternoon. Evening. Good evening. And the man himself, Ulster's most cap player, Mr. Darren Cave. What's so funny with that? Are you Ulster's most cap player? Uh, Do your research. Mayor, hey, guilty. Actually. Joint tie. Do you get an honourable mention for Andrew Trimble? Yes, I am. Congratulations. Thank, it's, That's pretty cool. I wondered why I wasn't really getting any respect <laughs> wow. for you over the past season. <laughs> I didn't know that, man. You don't remember me playing. Jeez, how have we gone the full season without me knowing that? How have we gone the full season without me bringing that up? Wow. Darren, I believe you were over in South Africa for the last couple of weeks. What was supposed to be a short trip, but a certain uh, team in blue kind mm-hmm. of uh, extended your stay. Yes, we were all very disappointed, weren't we, <laughs> when uh, the Bulls turned over Leinster. Um, none more so than my wife, who got a phone call afterwards to say, can I stay in South Africa for um, an extra week if Ulster lose? So yes, it was a busy time. It was a great experience, great to be over there. And I'm still married, I think, just about. 10 days in Cape Town. What you get up to besides watching Town. rugby? Um, working, of course. Uh, <laughs> hold on, I don't think my wife listens to this podcast. <laughs> to tell the truth, um, it went quite quickly. There's a lot of people over there. It's a cool um, city, isn't it? The culture there is amazing. So I'd actually never been because um, it was the uh, lesser teams that were in the league when, when I was playing, based out of elsewhere. And yeah, it was a good place to be based. I was in the same hotel um, as Ulster which was great crack after the game because the boys were a bundle of joy, as you can imagine. Uh, but Lindsay and I actually chatting. It's funny, that's the first time because of COVID I've been so close to the group. Yeah. Like yeah. physically close and it felt really, really weird. But players had spoken to me before about like being in the group and then being an outsider and like they didn't make me feel like an outsider. They were all very... But I felt mm. really like... Even walking, I didn't know how long a conversation could la- should last. I didn't know were they on the way to a meeting or just, yeah. and I was by myself. Feels oh. weird, doesn't it? Yeah, because you're used to this schedule and being somewhere and you're being told what to dress and now you're like, am I even, do I go here anymore? <laughs> I'm meant to be here. Uh, did you um, get any dance tips off the, the DHL? The, I the Stormers dancers? would loved a few <laughs> because that was unbelievable. I think it's we're going to talk about it later in the show. It's classic. Um, as a whole, I think one thing, um, and listen, the weather makes like 90% of the difference, but as a whole, like they have it right in South Africa with regards like making a, you know, a product. And in Ireland, we're very lucky. And it's very traditional and swaff and softum and all these kinds of things. Um, uh, but we grew up believing that like, the way to watch rugby was on the terrace, like, yeah. sideways rain. Like, <laughs> it's just not. Knowing all your anthems and your songs and everything yeah. that is associated with your team, yeah. Um, so as a product, like, it was unbelievable. Actually, the best, I'd say it's the best, uh, like, 
rugby game as a spectacle I've ever been to both those wow, games wow that's a big statement that's that is a big yeah, statement because I played a lot of big games Greg, <laughs> we were just there. <laughs> yeah. but it was unbelievable on that front that, that's nice. interesting if the final had been in RDS it wouldn't have been anywhere near that spectacle you, you experienced in Cape Town no nothing like it or Belfast it was nearly it looked like it was maybe heading there at one stage um, and do you know what like the South Africans like um, you mean you guys were chatting about the feedback on the show even hello South Africa yeah, they love the URC yeah, but, do you know what it, like it's, it's great um, and I think that'll continue to grow. I think the players are still, start, you know, coming to turn, like learning the teams and what countries they're from and what players are associated. But I think that will grow with the Wales being down there this summer. Um, and how good is it for the competition? So good. It's That's just amazing. class. But do you think because obviously they love the rugby in South Africa, like because it's their number one sport, they've developed that product? Or do you think it's something that could be here? Because I think it's kind of gone that way with a lot of the media, like like rugby here has grown but obviously it has to compete with so much more on a very small island so mm. do you know what I mean will we yeah. ever get there with that product with it? I don't know because I do like it is a boring answer but like the weather makes a huge I difference I do I, you know and I would when I was playing I would have said oh it's all very well saying play in the play in the summer but when I was a player I wouldn't have wanted to do pre-season in the winter yeah where see us now as like a fan, I would say get it in the summer. Even um, just, I don't know if you noticed, but in the quarterfinal, Munster got an absolute uh, see into it in Belfast. I don't know if you remember. Oh, remember but that. even see that, Sweet. just like playing rugby in June over here, mm. it just makes so much sense. And yeah. even the logic of like the Northern Hemisphere teams at the minute go under the Southern Hemisphere and then in November, vice versa. Yeah. Do you know, I just think as a product, the weather makes it, people are, you know, um, are in t-shirts. <clears throat> They're not all as well dressed as me and you, Jason. But, um, <laughs> but you're not factoring in there the fact that it's the end of uh, June now at the moment and it's been absolutely lashing rain for the last it's absolutely week. Bolted. So it doesn't really get yeah, but summer doesn't even guarantee us uh, sun over here anyway. So yeah, I, I just think like you know, like the like the climate in, in Ireland is never gonna be great. We can't fix that. Um although with um a few uh international politicians are doing their best with uh, global warming. Yeah, That's a conversation for another day. Um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. And I do think that'll be the next thing for the South African players, actually, because at the minute they just play. Mm. Like they just well, play. you need a global calendar like across yeah. the board. Like that's yeah. a, it's, it's a huge problem in rugby for a number of years like because everything's just all over the place and players are playing long seasons and they're playing here and they're there. Even for the South Africans, as we mentioned last week, it's been such a difference for them not having to get on a bloody 12-hour fight mm. and get into a different time zone and play. Like they could go down and lose to a New Zealand franchise. They're all jet-lagged. Yeah. Like everyone here knows like to be jet-lagged. It's horrible. Yeah. It is horrible. Imagine playing a match then against the Crusaders or the Blues. That was interesting. CJ Sander, who's on with me, and he said, like, just such an obvious thing to think of, but he's just saying, as a fan, it's just so much easier to follow because it's not on the middle of the night. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's on at um, 6 in the evening, at 6 in the morning. As a player, it's not like it's not that bad because the time zone's the same, you know? So, yeah. okay, you fly overnight, so you try and get as much sleep in the plane, and then you get up and get on with it. Yeah, yeah. This is nice. Well, what do we think, like, overall? Like, I know we're looking at the South African teams here, but, like, the URC as a whole, it's our first season now. I know the Irish teams didn't win it, like, but, like, is it an improvement? Oh, I think so. And I know we've given them a lot of credit, but the just the South Africans, what they brought, the product, the character, the feedback. Um, and like we said, again, it's only going to improve the Irish teams. Um, it's up now to the Scottish and the Welsh without being too harsh on them to kind of up their game now and look at it. And if they could come in and row in and improve the standard of their rugby, think of the league we could have if you'd a, just a standard, you know, blueprint, it'd be absolutely, I think, good. Do you make it a break? I thought it was a great season. 
uh, obviously it started a bit slow, but then I think they've they've really gone to put a bit of money into the URC. And, and, mm. and Darren was saying the South African team's winning has just kind of re-energised the whole thing. And it's no offence to Lindsay or the Leinster fans, but it's good to see Leinster not winning again for a fifth year in a row. <laughs> Always sick sure. of the lads winning it. like, And they, I'd say they're sick of winning it. Like, it's like, oh, another URC, great. So it's kind of given them more of a buzz to it. But the Welsh teams, I think, need to catch up. Um, we did, we barely talked about them all season because they're not performing. Um, so they need to have a really jig of the Welsh Rugby Union need to have a look at what they're doing down there. Um, and it kind of hopefully that will spruce it up for next year. But South African teams have really made it much better, I think, in my opinion. Yeah. You're a big fan of the Welsh teams, aren't you, Darren? Aren't you? Uh, so go back to the South African teams. Um, generally, a couple of weeks, a couple of rounds into the season, like you were kind of wondering, you cards on the table. I thought right, there's going to be another restructure here. It's not going to work. Yeah. Uh, and you know, if you even and I do think you actually have to give the URC a lot of credit because this is the same season where you had teams stuck in South Africa. Yeah. There was planes being chartered. Yeah, like gosh. it was an absolute shambles. Right there, yeah. And the fact that they've got from there and they got like that as a final was was very fitting for them. And I think they deserve a lot of credit for them because for it because it's a new competition. You're making huge decisions. Mm. But listen, it's brilliant. It started when, like, when Munster went down the second time and they lost twice. And everyone thought, oh, this is interesting. Yeah. And then Ulster went down and lost twice. Mm. And then Leinster, Munster, lost Leinster twice. went down and lost twice, albeit with a slightly depleted team. And straight away, it was like, well, those three teams would never go to Wales yeah. and lose twice. And the, those, and as the South African teams just started disrupting. Um, but they were kind of exciting brilliant. and controversial losses, weren't they, as well? Like, Ulster, did, like, they were married. You know, they were... Well, at one stage, 21 points behind, then the tries, the comeback tries disallowed. Like, so there was always lovely talking points. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It was never just a straightforward, oh, they went to South Africa and lost, you know? <laughs> yeah, and even, games, yeah. yeah, even the South Africans were at times so ill-disciplined and like still got away with it or, you know, their kicking game or just, they lived on the edge all the time. You just didn't know what to expect from them. And I loved that. Yeah. I, you mentioned Scottish teams there a while ago as well, saying that they probably need to improve. I thought Edinburgh did really well this season. Yeah, Glasgow probably need to improve, but I thought Edinburgh were exciting. They were they got a win down in South Africa. Yeah, you know, them and Connacht are the only teams to get a win, and I was really impressed with them. Like we have Mark Bennett coming up in a while, who's playing really well. Um, so it's good to see those guys doing good. Yeah, but the Italians as well, I suppose. Do you know, it's it's just again like, you know, we're thinking through moments of the year and like Italy finally what thirty five, thirty six. Yeah. They had some good games of fairness. They did, they and good. they were nice, and you know they. Poor Zebredo. Yeah, do you know what I mean? So it'll just have a knock on effect internationally and just on the game as a whole. So yeah, look, it's it's goals, and not everything's going to be perfect. Yeah. Also, when you have a better competition and more good teams, it does make like teams like Glasgow and Edinburgh. I think they had an. I think they had a decent season. Like I think they started seventh and seventh and eighth. Yeah. Which traditionally in the league you'd rolled your eyes, but if you look, so it means six teams, like obviously were in front of you, but that's no mean feat now with the quality of teams because, do you know what I mean? Like it's hard mm. to finish a, in particular, the, the those three Irish provinces, and I think one of the real downsides of Irish rugby this season was Connacht as a whole in the URC. I just thought. They were so, so disappointed. And that's one thing I think looking forward to next year. I just would love to see more from them. I think yeah. the, the standard of the competition is really, really high. But Connacht are a better team than that. Yeah, the they show glimpses of it throughout the year, though. They had some really good games. As we always said, they were just up and down and they didn't have that... They don't have that second line of players that they can yeah. just throw out in the middle of like November, December, yeah. like you know they're going to get the mm. win that Leinster have, or I was going to say Munster, there, Munster probably have, <laughs> they probably will next year have that second yeah. line of players. But you know what, and that's what I think is going to be really interesting about the RC as a whole the next year, um, and it does maybe sounds like an Irish guy 
uh, making an excuse, but like I played, I'm, I'm not saying I was any good at rugby, but I was there. Most capable instrument. Guilty. <laughs> I honestly do not believe from the bottom of my heart that would have been an all South African final if those South African teams had been playing in Europe. So I think if, mm. you know, Munster hadn't had the back-to-back against Leinster or uh, Exeter, if Leinster hadn't, I know Leinster didn't mm. win Europe, but they went through off the back of the Six Nations, those huge games, at the same time trying to compete for points, I do not believe that um, that would have been an all-South African uh, final. It would have been too much rugby for South Africa. Yeah, well, I, I just don't really teams. buy into this thing that like Leinster have been found out and Leinster no. are crap. I just don't think people understand how difficult it is to compete on both fronts. Yeah. So, first of all, it's a lot of rugby. I think with there being a last 16, was there eight? Uh, mm. There was five games in Europe it, and three. So to go the distance, it's eight fixtures. Eight knockout there's, only games, eight, yeah. there's only 18 games in the league. It's mm. only 50% mm. of your season again off the bag of a Six Nations. I just think it's so hard, like logistically flying around the world, mentally, emotionally, physically to compete on both fronts so I don't think it's um, uh, it's not sour grapes actually because I was delighted to see Leinster get beaten (laughs) but I think it'll be like next year like the South African teams they like do you know what I mean is there much of a jump in levels you know what I mean like there's a huge jump from going like playing club rugby to playing international but how big a jump is it if you played a URC game to playing a European game like, is it like much tougher? Well, yeah, in the past it would have been, but now, yeah. I mean, smaller than ever because like it's 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 kind of a um, the quality of the opposition's up, you know? Yeah. Let's like, if you call a spade a spade, like the league before the South African teams, I mean, half those teams aren't good enough to play in the Champions Cup, you know? So it is like, it's a big jump. You would see teams come into Belfast or Limerick and uh, like, you know, a depleted Scarlets team who were maybe playing on the same weekend as like a Welsh playing the Barbarians and, you know, Ulster would get a bonus point in 45 minutes and take off, you know, five of their best players. It's not like that anymore. So, listen, I'm excited already. More ruggers. Yeah. <laughs> I am glad you brought up, though, about the, it's Le- Leinster not being found out because I think we, we kind of said it, like, um, obviously La Rochelle and, and they wanted that fifth star so much, but I don't think as well people attribute, like, they, we just see this... Uh, like lads that this is their job you know for professional rugby but like you said the mental side of it and I think as much as Leinster have depth I think to constantly being rotated in which is good and the lads seem to have a buy-in you still have to get up for those games you know that do you know what I mean and like the mental side we don't attribute enough to do you know what I mean and I just think yeah it's not a fan you think going into training eight weeks in a row like every Monday morning right guys have another big game this week like you have to stay mentally (laughs) big game this week (laughs) yeah another big game this week like analysis of last game next game who you're going up against it's just I'd say the Leinster lads were just exhausted exhausted you're always switched on and if you're not in the starting team you know yourself the Mm. responsibility of making sure training is facilitated and you're you know you have your homework done trying to be the opposition and you know you don't let anyone down so yeah yeah, I think mentally to switch on and they still played really well I don't think they they got found out yeah. I thought they played really they also well. have to factor in the fact that you look back at the November Internationals when Ireland beat the All Blacks and you look at the Six Nations where they literally lost out by a point to France yeah. Yeah. like 13 out of 15 players were Leinster players well, so they had to the get thing, themselves yeah. up for those 5 Six exactly. Nations games games against the All Blacks on this, on this time off the Leinster lads just put on green jerseys like, <laughs> well, they're, 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 they're still playing they're going to New Zealand yeah. they had about 3 no, weeks they're going to New Zealand exactly. it's mad like, yeah, and, and let's be honest like they were a whisker like um, I say a whisker from winning the Champions Cup which is other than the World Cup potentially the World Cup's probably the hardest rugby competition Mm. in the world to win and they were like closer than a whisker Mm. you know anything Mm. like you know goes wrong one decision like like they won it like yeah yeah, Yeah. like literally um, and yeah I don't buy into this like Leinster being found out and Leinster like they're in turmoil that's an exaggeration but yeah yeah, it's, it's just not 
It's just not. No, they, just, they lost two games of rugby and they're human. Yeah. yeah. What do we think of like Munster next season? So that's what we've spoken about. Ulster, we think, bounced back and had a really good end of the season. We're probably unlucky. I could have went through to a final. I think Connacht, as we said, we've spoken about them loads of times. They have a lot of work to do in terms of, well, they have depth coming in. Um, Leinster, I don't think Leinster have anything to worry about. But Munster, I mean, what are we looking at them towards next season? Do we do we see yeah. like we as you, as you predicted? We've got Leamy in there, Prendergast coming in there. You've got Roundtree Round, taking yeah. over. They're still short a few signings, but do you, know, yeah, do you see them improving next year? I I really hope so. I really hope so because we can't just keep making excuses. Like Munster need to go back to winning ways. It's been too long now, and it's like expected that Munster have to be in the top, and they haven't been in the top in a while, and like. I'm really passionate about them. Like, Munster just need to start winning again. Like, do you know what I mean? It's just, and they've done the, the moving around of the coaches. We have some Munster guys back in that Darren knew was happening. And now I just think the biggest thing we were kind of speaking off, off air was we need to get some front rows in, some new young front rows. I know there's a couple coming up through the academy, but I think that's really where Munster are lacking. Because if you think back to the days when 06 Heineken Cup win, 08 Heineken Cup win, our pack was a joke. Monsters. Like, monsters. Like, yeah. and they were just dominating. And then you'd have Rodge kicking into the corner, like, and you yeah. really good backs. But I think. Think that we just need a new, new monster front row. Nothing against lads that are there. Just change the guard, mm. and then um, do you know you have these big signings, Fekitoa coming in. He's not going to come in and win the URC. No. Like you, Snyman at least hopefully yeah. be fit next year. He's like a brand new signing, and he's someone that will help that front row. But yeah, there's young guys there. As in, look, we'll speak. I know once we get onto our team of the season, but guys like Josh Witcherly, he needs to be playing a lot more minutes next year. Yeah, uh, the guys like even someone like Keenan Knox who hasn't really got a chance at tight end, yeah. and then even in that hooker like someone like uh, Scott Buckley. Mm. Like we need to give these guys instead of going, hmm, let's bring in this uh, South African guy for two months, or let's bring in this guy from Super yeah. Rugby, which is what they did in the past with guys like Jenkins and whatnot. Like there's there's players there to be used. Hopefully, Roundtree will see that. Well, the good thing you see, Josh Witcherly, Witcherly is only like twenty-two. So for a front row, uh, they need to be getting minutes because oh, you yeah. can't learn your trade as a front row. Like it's dark arts, it is, and you can only actually do that when you're playing games. So the fact he's twenty-two, he's probably a little bit right, but that's why he they, they just need to go in. Like Dan Sheen will probably talk about for team this season, and probably one weakness if I see him, and I'm not a hooker, but I'm obviously I'm loose head, and I could see him even in Ireland. He's He's kind of a weakling at scrum time, but he brings so much around the park. But he'll get there because the more games he gets, the more knowledge he'll get and the players around him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think um, if Roundtree, you know, an ex-forward himself, um, front row, he will he will look at that and, and hopefully... Yeah. I think Leamy's going to have a big impact next year as well in the overall pack and the mentality. Because mm. I was talking to some of the Leinster lads and they really back Leamy and what he did for them. Yeah. And they're actually a bit, they're fuming that he's leaving, like. They're yeah. all snapping and be like, oh, he came in for a year, learned all our playbook, and now he's going down to Munster. <laughs> Genuinely. The that, thing is, for, yeah. for like, he was a contact coach, wasn't he, at Leinster? He was like, yeah, 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 rock he, coach or line-up coach. And if you, like, of all the things Leinster do well, they probably don't get enough credit for that. Do you know what I mean? Because the reason they look so fluent and so, like some of their lines are on time and so good is because of their contact and their breakdown and yeah. their set piece. I think it's a good time to be a Munster fan. I don't, again, Mason, um, I love having a bit of a, like a, a pop at them. I don't think they've. I think anytime there's new staff coming in, I think that's really exciting. Um, I think um, I don't think they're as bad as everyone thinks they did. I think if you look through their season, you know they lost it to Toulouse. Like it wasn't even a loss. Mm. I mean, it was um, penalties. They were an absolute shambles <laughs> in Belfast to give them out, which was very unlike them. Mm. And you know, I don't really have a um, like a. They were wrecked off for the back of the loose game, though. Like, yeah, you know, it, doesn't, listen, it doesn't like, help. Yeah. I think if you looked through like a lot of their season, like they win a lot of games, they've won a lot of games. They put themselves really close to where they need to be. I don't think they need to. I don't think um, again, probably like what I said about Lance. I don't think there's this kind of 
crisis at Munster. Yeah. Um, I just think Munster fans are still adapting to the fact that they're just nowhere near as good as Leinster. And I think it's very hard yeah. to a pill to swallow when you've come from the team of the Noddies. Um, so I think it's an exciting time for Munster. Yeah. One area I think I think Munster have got wrong has been recruitment. Yeah. And, you know, maybe I was wrong bringing it up in front of Rory when he was on the show, but, you know, signing centres, uh, like, that's not going to win you trophies. Um, and I actually agree with you, Lindsay, about the likes, like these younger guys and these younger guys, they need to play, mm. but you're not going to win trophies with a couple of young lads in the front row. You're like, you're, I'm just, like, I'm, you're just not. Yeah. You look at, like, the, the Stormers, like two best props in the world. Do you know what I mean? Um, you look at Leinster, two, more than two of the best props. Like yeah. The best teams have young players coming through, but they also have top, top, top quality. And again, incredibly unlucky with the Snyman injury. Like, And you just can't, like so unlucky. He's a guy who literally would have made a huge difference. They just do not have enough quality in their front five to be a team that wins trophy. Yeah. Yeah. it's yeah. the kind of top percentage of games like where Munster just aren't finishing off where a couple of years ago in the Naughties they would have won yeah. those like quarterfinals semifinals and we yeah. expected them to win but they're doing well throughout the season as you said they're one of the top try scoring teams yeah. They've, yeah. they've had a good performances but it's just that end of season games where Munster need to go out and win the semifinal do you know what I mean yeah. they're expected I think we've got like I put it this like it's like Man United syndrome yeah. like Man United yeah. like everyone still thinks Man United are brilliant like but it, Man United have fallen off, but also all the teams around them have got better. And what have Man United done terribly in the last few years? Signings. Recruitment. Yeah. You know, and that, you do that for so many years. You do it for three or four seasons and all of a sudden you're way behind because what Munster need now at the moment is they need to sign like five players. And you can't get five like top players in one window. You can only get one or two top players, yeah. but they keep getting centres. And <laughs> in the middle of that process, their wee brother in blue has turned into an absolute mutant. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Like a literally an absolute like world rugby mutant in terms of like winning trophies and like producing players, which is not easy for Munster fans to watch. No, no it's not. It's not. It's not. Anyway, we will move on because we have a lot of stuff to get through. Um, we're going to move on to our URC. Now, this is this is our <coughs> Irish based team of the year because if we had South Africans in there, like they'll just dominate the whole team. So we've seen the dream team that the URC put out. So this is the House Rugby Dream Team. Based on Irish players only. Right. Yeah. Is that okay. Right. Yes, so we so we're going to start with the front row. So like this is all up for debate now. We'll call out the team first, and then we'll see who agrees with what. Because what we did is we all kind of picked a team each, and then we kind of put it together based on votes and put it into a magic machine and come out with this. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we've got loose head. We've got Josh Witcherly, as we mentioned there, the young monster um, prop. Uh, Hooker, Dan Sheen of Leinster, Tighthead, Tyg Furlong. Uh, second row, we've got Leinster's Ross Maloney, Munster's Finine Witcherly. Into the back row, we've got Keane Prendergast from Connacht at six, Nick Timoney of Ulster at seven, Jack O'Donnell at eight. And you're going to love the back line, Lindsay, because at nine, Craig Casey, Munster's very own. <laughs> Ten, we've got uh, someone who's on the show recently enough, Ross Byrne of Leinster, another person who's on the show recently, Mac Hansen of Connacht is in the left wing. Big Stuart McCluskey is in at 12 alongside his Ulster teammate James Hume with Rob Balakoon on the other wing and Michael Lowry. Jesus, Ulster are Lads, dominating that back 12 to 15 there, it's all Ulster men. Like, you, yeah. That you was the winner. section of the team I was given. <laughs> <laughs> Lads, like, come on. It's a full so, quick, what we start first, anyway, like any positions, Darren, that you're 
Disag- in disagreement well, with we could have We could have got uh, a few more Ulster players in, couldn't we? Um, <laughs> do you know, genuinely, it, it is quite tough when, when you sit down and you try your best to go through who's actually played in the URC, who hasn't, who's... And because of so much depth and all the Irish teams, you know, you look through and well, like, there's... Well, he actually hasn't played that many games. And then... You, so, you know, keeping my Ulster hat on, the one name... Um, I thought could have got in there was maybe Alan O'Connor in the second row. Okay. I had no real complaints about the front row. Three guys who've been absolutely brilliant. As I said, it's hard to think off the top of your head. Uh, you know how many games um, has Porter played? How many games Kelleher played? And you know what I mean. Well, that's one thing we need to get out there is that I put in a lot of different people, but it's been changed around because we based off URC performances. So we're going, like, who played more URC games? Who'd like? We're always like, I'd have Porter in, obviously. I'd have Jean Klein in, even though he was in the URC t- team. He was in the URC team, yeah. So he's someone like I said. It's up for yeah. debate. Like I, I, I think I. Picked Jack Klein myself in my team, and uh, I put Jack Klein in for which he yeah. had a great season as well. So I mean, it's a tough one. Yeah, but equally, and like when I think of Ross Maloney, who has had a great year, um, was it not? in there was one of the games at the Aviva. Was it not the Toulouse game at the Aviva? That's kind of where I remember him. Yeah, just like, but it was a, a European Cup game. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's a bit of. Well, listen, it's a good team. I put him in, you know, because I felt aggrieved that he did he, he didn't actually start in the in the semi final against mm-hmm. the Bulls, and I think you know he's just one of them guys who does his job. Like, yeah, he's just one of them yeah. guys yeah, who's yeah. consistent. He does his job, and I just don't think he gets the credit for it because yeah. he's in in amongst the team. Like if you're in with. Ryan Bard, James Ryan, like all these big names in the second row who just take over. And I just think he never gets it. I just think he's a guy. And like, you know, looking through, like Nick Timoney had like an absolute ridiculous season. Like he's 274 tackles. But like Scott Penny had before his injury had like, if you look back at his stats, unbelievable. Like he's maybe seven tries. Like he started so many, like 12 games. But like then he fell off and you forget him, you know, because again, there's so many performances just like, you know, cloud you, but um, I thought as a whole, the ba- I like that back row. I think is um, I think you could definitely put other players yeah. forward, but I think it's hard to argue that there's ah, no, three yeah. like that, a that seven jersey, brilliant. especially like you could have Conor Oliver in there, who's been class all season, and the small matter of Josh Fear, European Player of the Year. But he, <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't yeah. think he has done a huge amount in the URC this year, but he's still been pretty good. But he hasn't been as good as Nick Timoney, I don't think. Yeah, in the URC anyway, specifically. Yeah, you could easily swap Conor Oliver in there for Nick Timoney, but we're going to Nick Timoney's stats, and they're a joke. Do you want to rattle off a couple of them? I there? don't know. I can't. Uh, <laughs> I, I saw a thread on Twitter. We were yeah. having chatted for, and it was just, um, you know, when you put a lot of the metrics in, like, you know, per minute and per, mm. like, uh, matches played, he, like, he comes um, he comes out on, it's a really interesting uh, thread on Twitter, and he comes out on top of just, like, literally everything. And what it's just very un common that a player would be such uh, in terms of workload so many rucks and so many carries and normally there's one area of the game that has to suffer like if you're the likes of a uh, Roos you know at the Stormers and you carry the ball and you're top of the carries every week you're probably not going to be top of the tackles because that's not what you're or there's players that maybe the likes of a Ross Maloney who if you go you're like he's top of like positive ruck impacts because that's his role in the team um, and there's normally a trade-off, yeah. and Nick Timoney just comes out, um, you know, on top of all three. Um, 
So you a little bit, him. little bit of Ulster bias, of course, <laughs> down there. But, but you, um, yeah, you can and he's got, what, he plays a lot in the URC. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's played. He's, his durability is what he's playing every single week. You can see why he got brought down to New Zealand. Like still, yeah. still not, still not, still not Ulster's most capped player, though. So he's a way to go. Yeah, you know? <laughs> he's not far off. He's a few raises, a few rocks to hit. Yeah. What about the back line? I think. I suppose Craig Casey, yeah, he was in the URC Dream Team of the Year. Like, we're a big fan of Craig on the, on the show. I think someone like Luke McGrath, who's been like captain in Leinster and a lot of those URC games, another friend of the show who could easily have been in there. Um, I was thinking, I saw the Craig Casey come through in, our, in the running order before we started the podcast, and I was like, oh, I'd love to go against Lindsay now. <laughs> but I just honestly, I can't, I can't argue. I was like, Craig Casey had a great season. Every time he, he came on, he probably scored a try, got man in the match. Like, and I was got, another person that might come in touch the distance or get in the nine jersey would be Nathan Doak. I thought he was incredible. Incredible this yeah, year. Yeah. Especially the first half of the season, he was class. First half of the season. Then he, for some reason, just kind of dropped off. Coney came back in, really, didn't he? Like, and took a spot. Lindsay makes a good point. You kind of, it's a long season, isn't it? And players go through spells. And I think, you know, John Cooney was out for a few months yeah. and Doe came in and did really, really well. And then towards the end of the season, Cooney really started to play and play. And then it he kind was of, back to himself, Cooney. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think it fizzled out for Doke at all. Again, he didn't, I don't think he was making mistakes. Um, sure, at one stage we were like, Nathan Doke should be in the Irish jersey. Remember that? <laughs> Yeah. Season, yeah, because he was just I, consistently I, I, getting tries, kicking, man of the match. Like, and I still actually don't think he. Are we interested? I still don't think he will be that far um, going forward. You know, because in yeah. the end of the day, the reason Casey's there is because he's played more for Munster. But you know, that's because he's closer to Murray than Doka is to Cooney, obviously, yeah. uh, according to the coaches. Yeah. Um, and actually, I thought Luke McGrath, like he's a guy just who like is probably wondering how he's ended up. You know, mm. so far away. Yeah. Like he's actually never. Like I've never seen him play badly. No. no, he's such a good player. He's so consistent. So like such a good leader for Leinster as well. Particularly, you know, when there are a couple of players missing. Mm. And, um, so he could have been with the shout, but I, I couldn't really argue. Yeah, kill you can't argue with Casey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great. I think um, actually Luke McGrath welcomed him. This partner welcomes a little boy Bobby. The, if I got yeah, it right yeah, this week, so oh, yeah. congratulations. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've never seen that. Um, 10 that's something someone you were talking about last week you were surprised that uh, he's not in the Irish squad is Ross Byrne like who well, every year like the man is just so super consistent isn't he incredible I obviously wanted Sexton there but he hasn't played enough URC yeah. games if any really he hasn't played in the URC in four seasons so we can't have Sexton but uh, it was a toss up between Ross and Harry for me both the Byrne brothers obviously yeah. Harry got brought down to New Zealand but as you said there Jason Ross every week is just so good for Leinster and he just runs that back line and kind of like Ross Maloney doesn't get the headlines for it Yeah, he just keeps going does his job every week and we had him in here he's obviously really passionate to get back into the Irish jersey and I think if if he keeps going the way he's going, he should get more time. But mm. his, his younger brother's knocking on the door ahead of him, isn't he? I think yeah. he's top point scorer. Isn't look that look how, how, how good Leinster have been the last few years. People forget, like, Johnny's missed a lot of games. I mean, Johnny's not there. It's Ross that's yeah. leading the charge and mm. winning all those games in Europe and in the URC with Leinster. So he just gets forgotten about for some reason because Johnny Sexton is Johnny Sexton. He's quite unfortunate with a couple of... Um, and rugby, like, as we all know, it's so, so fickle. And I think what's happened to Ross Byrne... He got a couple of opportunities for Ireland. I actually think maybe twice against England. Yeah, And yeah, they were yeah. complete poison chalice fixtures in that as a halfback, when your pack get like, yeah, when you're you are the abs. And he played, tw- <laughs> I think he played twice against England. And he was pretty dreadful through absolutely no fault of his own. I mean, Dan Carter wouldn't have looked good mm. the way Ireland got treated by England that day. And I just feel like internationally, it just seems that everyone's kind of said right well he's not the next guy because he didn't perform in those games I think he's, I think he's very unfortunate he's a very very good player yeah, yeah. 
He yeah. started an NEURC team, like I think at 10. He's just incredible across the board. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, looking at the rest, Mac Hansen, like I was surprised he wasn't in the URC team, to be honest with you. I mean, Mac has been class all year, like, and he's yeah. he scored, I don't know, he scored a 10 or 11 tries anyway. I, think he, I don't know, you can check those stats afterwards, but uh, <laughs> he's definitely scored a nice poo. Um, McCluskey, as I said, McCluskey's been absolutely. Someone, I guess someone actually gave out to me last week saying that you must not watch a lot of Ulster games because I said it's one of his best seasons, but I still think. Because they're like, uh, oh, Kluski's always been good. I was like, he has always been good, but he's been particularly good this year, I think. Yeah, I um, I would be. I I don't know. I don't. I don't think he's been any better this year than he has been. I think he's been brilliant for four, five, six, seven. Like yeah. I just think for whatever reasons he doesn't fit into Andy Farrell's plans, and that's kind of that's the international side of the conversation just over, really. I think. Yeah. But um, yeah, he's been brilliant for a number he's of class, years like for Ulster, uh, and he, he and Hume this year. Uh, I mean, Hume. Has just been ridiculous, yeah, absolutely ridiculous. I, I, I think he's going to play some. I just think Ireland's three best centers are the three best centers, and I don't think we should be having a conversation about somebody getting in there. But he has been that good. Mm. He's been absolutely ridiculous, and I don't know who you put him in front of. I don't know when you, but he <coughs> is just. Yeah, James Hume can't go in ahead of Bundy, Robbie Henshaw, or Gary. Like I just can't see that happening. But I do think he'll play against the Maoris. He might come onto the bench for one of the tests. Um, another guy that missed out that no one's really talking about is Chris Farrell. I thought he had a good season. His first half of the season, he only had a kind of good second half last quarter. I don't think he started the season well. I think it's why he lost his spot in the Irish squad as well. Like, and yeah, he, p- he picked up a good bit of form though in the middle of the season. Remember when he went up to Ulster and he had a really good game? Yeah, the first, that's fair, the yeah. first game. But he's just, yeah, he just hasn't got back to where he initially was when he first came back to Munster. Um, so I think it was unfortunate for him. But oh, I'd love to see him back in an Irish jersey, but there's no space really, is there? Just no. too many no. players. There isn't, yeah. no. Obviously. And the age profile starts to work again. Like it's not long. You don't have to be that far into your twenties before people start going. You know, pushing on. Do you think it's gotten to that stage with him? He's only like twenty six, twenty seven, is he? I I would be very surprised if he played for Ireland again, and it's not through a lack of quality. I think he's a really, really good player. Yeah. Uh, I just, I just think um, too much competition. The, the guys are in our similar age profile around him. Yeah. I think the likes of James Room and uh, Frawley as well, who's obviously a very different player um, to all the other midfielders that Ireland have. I just, um, yeah, I hope he proves me wrong because I like him, but I don't see it. Yeah. I don't yeah. see it either. No, it's it's a fair point to make. Um, looking at the final two positions I think on the right wing obviously Rob Balacone <coughs> is the outstanding candidate there I don't think we can no. there's a few other players we could mention but I think he's been class all year but the, the last one um, full back is definitely up for debate I know you reckon Hugo Keenan could be in there I also think despite Munster's season I thought Mike Haley was class this year yeah. I, yeah I have to agree I think Mike Haley deserves a mention I think we, we've had about like any time we've done uh, analysis on Munster's good games he, he's been key to that he's scored some great tries he's yeah I think he'd be solid yeah Mike Haley's been very consistent he got it easily solid in there I think Lowry's just had the season of, of, of his, his life dreams, so yeah. far he's got into the Irish squad and everything like said, once he's not playing 10 he's class yeah and yeah, it, yeah exactly he's playing <laughs> fullback. but I think Balakun's obviously a freak of an athlete I would have put Conway in there instead of Balakun. I just think Conway just offers so much security on the right wing yeah. like airily he just ev- does everything right his tackles his finishing I'd put Conway in there just from like a as a security standpoint but Balakun's obviously going to light up the world for you but I just yeah. think Conway's just and he's played a good bit of URC games as well Conway. that's true even James Lowe has played a good few URC games that's guy we're, we're forgetting about as well like I know yeah. he was injured and missed a bit of it like, but he played plenty of those big games so yeah Lots of wingers put in there, but unfortunately, there's only two spots, lads. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, we'll move on. We'll move on. Um, we've got a special mention to our South African players. So we've all picked um, kind of like 
the staff players have really stood out for us. Um, we've got four guys here. So obviously Evan Roos, who has been an absolute monster this year for the Stormers. He's in the Springbok squad now. Um, he's like won like three, all three awards yeah. in the uh, for the URC. Uh, another guy is uh, Siabellos, uh, Sen- I could probably pronounce this, Senatla with the Stormers, who was an absolute freak of nature as well. Uh, Leland Zass, who I believe is the top scorer in the competition this yeah. year. And then uh, good an old friend of yours, um, Marcel Cotier with the Bulls. Um, I think I-, I mentioned him because that's a guy that went through such a horrific time with injury and he's <clears> back in the Springboks squad now again and he's back to... When, when Ulster initially signed, we were like, wow, what a signing. Mm. And to come back from the injuries he come back from and to the level he's got himself back to again, it's, it's a mark of the man really, isn't it? Yeah, he's an incredible player. Lovely guy. And he scored, he scored a boatload of tries as well, I think. He's yeah, I think he's 11 tries. Yeah, yeah. something scandalous yeah. like that like um, for a back row. And that was actually one thing I really enjoyed. Um was getting to see those South African players and getting to know them. Guys, That let's be honest, like there's a few household names who you'd seen you know, with the Webb Ellis a couple of years ago, but apart from that, we didn't know. And uh, it was guys like, actually, for me, uh, obviously Roos, but Sinatla and Zass. I had never heard of Zass before. Mm. He was, like, phenomenal. Yeah. Absolutely. There was that, um, I was commentating on the quarterfinal against uh, Edinburgh. I'm like... I actually don't think there's that many players floating about that beat so many players just for fun. He's quite physical as well. He gets the ball and he shrugs off two players every single time without fail. Um, so I really enjoyed sort of seeing those kind of players. Uh, and um, long may it continue. There'll yeah. be more to come next year. Another South African player that really impressed me that was consistent all year was Werner Koch on the wing for the Sharks. I, I played against him in the Sevens tour and he's just one of the nicest guys around. Mm. South African guys are so lovely. But his, like... His aggression every single time he comes into contact. And we have a try coming up now soon from him. Yeah. I just think a tip to my hat to Werner Cock as well. Really good season. Yeah, definitely. Do you have any other special mentions? No, I I picked the two forwards. Yeah. Um, to be honest. And uh like Evan Roos is yeah, I think he's top three in, in some of the stats for carries, defenders beaten. Like he's just an animal and to have that hands and that playmaker at eight, you know, it's sometimes hard to find. Um and like to shun out like the likes of Jack Conan or um, like Jack O'Donoghue who had a standout season you know so you're like yeah. when you go through even our own Irish players like that had standout seasons I think the lads that we've mentioned and I know we're concentrating on South African mm. but um, they have they have been sta- standout and uh, Coutier. Um yeah. I think as well as leadership like he was so calm but the Bulls I think it was key to Leinster that day I think he set the bar and the tone and the aggression so um, no, I'm happy enough I wonder who Rassi will start now like with, he didn't bring Vermeulen I think Vermeulen might have to get an operation or something. Or he might yeah, be. Yeah, Vermeulen was in crutches after the game, so I yeah. think he was. Um, I am. Um, I'm not. Uh, yeah, Bruce and Cotier, be... that's a tough choice. They're both the season board of them have had. Like, yeah, I have a feeling for some reason he's going to go through. But I, do, I, I don't like. Uh, I'm not really sure. I still think over there they see. Um, I still think they see Cotier as more of a flanker over there as mm, well. I think yeah. it's because of like their. They're just such big people. And I think over here, Marcel is like a number eight. Do you know what I mean? Whereas, actually, if you put him beside yeah, he's those very guys, small. He's yeah, a small he's actually, yeah. Yeah. Like, Not if you put him on the scales. He's not small. <laughs> but um, if you put him beside the likes of Rusik, he's a wee, he is that little bit smaller. And he does get over the ball a bit more, like a flanker. So I think for him to play... Um, I don't know what's the injury status of Peter Steph the toy because he's been in oh, Japan. I'm not, I'm not sure. sure. Um, I think he might be fit. I remember because... 
He, well, yeah, I think he might be fit again. Yeah. I think he You'd should be okay. Khaleesi to play. Khaleesi, yeah. That's just frightening. Oh, no. <laughs> good luck. That's good, uh, just frightening. You know, well yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The thing with Razzie, the way he plays, and you saw in the World Cup win, like the bench are just as impactful as oh, the starters. Yeah. Like yeah. bomb like, squad. Yeah, exactly the bomb squad. Like so, whoever's going to be playing, like they're just interchangeable, like, incredible yeah. players. Move on to our moment of the year. Um, I had a couple of different moments. Um, like mine, definitely. As you mentioned already, I taught the dancers. I like. I remember when they first when if the vid, when they first came up with the dancers. This guy here. <laughs> so when this guy first came on, I didn't know that this this guy was a professional dancer, right? And that they had this organised for the game. And I remember I made a TikTok and a reel for Joe, right? And put that viral song. What's your man, the BBC guy? My money don't jiggle, oh, jiggle. Yeah. So I put that on. The video ended up getting 167 million views. Wow. And it was like the most viewed video in the history of Joe. And I was like, I want these guys back every week. Yeah. <laughs> this is the greatest content ever. Because 167 just, million. Just 167 million views. That's like one of Greg's uh, Instagram stories. That's nuts, man. Yeah, so like, oh, because that was, I think, it, no one knew what was going on. And like, some people were like, is he a player? Is he not a player? So, I mean, I just thought it was brilliant. That's I mean, incredible. It's just fantastic. You know what I love like, about it is he's, he's a bit heavy set, he's well fed, and he's just moving so fluidly. Like a prop or something. He looks like, like a prop, exactly, yeah. and props can move. Yeah. Do you meet him when you're down there? I would love to. Do you see him in the flesh? Yeah, it was, <laughs> honestly, it was unbelievable. We spoke earlier in the show about spectacle, and that's part of it, because the Stormers um, cheerleaders, the females, they come out initially, and I were in the crowds, like, and it's right before kickoffs, so just as the players have gone in from the warm-up. And the crowd are like, right, whatever. Uh, and then he came out and the place went ballistic. Like, <laughs> absolutely. And then um, for the semi-final final, he brought out a whole team of like lads and they were like doing, like going back and forward. And it was unbelievable. Like, I genuinely, I was just sitting there going like, forget the game. Yeah. This is a, brilliant. As you said, it's such a good product. Like, and yeah. it just got the crowd going. Yeah, the crowd was like, I don't mean like clapping, like they were screaming. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> loving it. So it was class. Stuff. Well, it's it. nice to take off the labels like that. It's only women can be cheerleaders and dancers. And yeah, yeah. like, you know, you yeah, can I mean, dance. It's, good, it's true. It's yeah. good. Like you're moving away from stereotypes. You're, bring, you're bringing the whole thing in. Uh, like, do you know what I mean? You're dragging yeah. it into the 21st century, but also it's brilliant. Yeah, do you know? and he can move. And I love that they're wearing the full kit as well. Yeah, it's class. Yeah, and the fact they didn't tell anyone that he was a cheerleader. Yeah, I love it. Um, one of my standout moments off the pitch, and there was more, like, there's loads we, we haven't mentioned, uh, but was um, Nick McCarthy coming out. And it's not the fact that he came out. I think the stance he took as a role model, as a leader, and mm. the bravery in a, let's be honest, a very stereotype typical like you're shrouded in what masculinity is meant to be uh, but most importantly I think the support from his teammates uh, publicly to just say like he's a great guy we love you we're behind you uh, you're so brave Leinster themselves as a club and I think it just sends no more than the dancers and everything else and you know we'll cover other moments I think it's just a big moment to say like he, you know the spirit of rugby and what we stand for in sport difficult conversations but you can be who you want to be and you don't have to be yeah. Yeah. any you know again labels get rid of it so but there was more for you know we haven't women's um, moments of the year like uh, any a brains try at the end and, and the women missing out on, on a difficult year make sure we didn't get the wooden spoon the sevens winning their first uh, medals in Spain you know so there's loads of moments but uh, that was my stand yeah I played with Nick all the way up from 18 schools 19s 20s he actually captained my 20s team such a nice guy and like you've been in, in rugby dress rooms you all have there's a bit of toxic masculinity like I'd say he found it quite out and I actually was chatting him about it and he was he was quite nervous about coming out publicly but I was like man think about the what you've done for anyone that's seen 
oh, you coming out now? Like a young yeah. guy being like, I'm kind of struggling with, with coming out and talking. Like I'd say he's helped so many kids 100%. and like everyone restoring it and giving the, the backing online, I think is just amazing to see. But another kind of shout out to Jack Dunn who did it years Absolutely. ago. Absolutely, yeah. sorry, yeah. Jack's a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he came out years ago. So like also shout to him, he was kind of like a pioneer of it all. Like, so mm. it's nice to see that it's just normalized as well. Yeah, it I did a podcast. I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. No, after. Yeah. No, I was just saying I, I, I want to hear from Lindsay more actually <laughs> comes with the podcast yeah go on tell us no we did it uh, for Pride Month last year uh, we did it with uh, Leinster and Jack was on it and yeah he's just a really good guy and we've kind of on off you know just even like he made the Barbarians team unfortunately that were COVID stricken last year when I was on it in November so he's just a great guy yeah and he hasn't got the credit and Aviva have done a piece of him there Um you know, with Emerald Warriors and, and you know, the the good side and the good people. But then obviously uh, when the Emerald Warriors lads getting attacked in town. So there's difficult conversations to have and that's what these do. And it's mm. hard for people to take that responsibility. And I know my own personal, you build everything up. I did in my head. So it's so difficult, but it's such a relief as well to come out and just be yourself. And I know yeah. it's cliche, but it's, yeah. it's good as well. I think rugby, like hashtag rugby vam- uh, values and hashtag rugby family gets thrown around like way too much because it's not always so it is really good to see um i think so many other uh like for him to come out great but uh, for everyone else to get in behind it and say like this is acceptable this is okay and you know i mean and change because there probably are people involved in rugby that still don't think it's okay Mm -hmm. so it's nice you know the old phrase like what you permit you promote it's nice that the big you know names that people are known in the games Mm -hmm. are supporting and saying this is okay yeah, yeah. Everyone, and it will like, encourage more people to be just it does, uh, yeah. you know especially with the men I think I've noticed you can, you'll see there's a lot more openly gay women in sport but with men they seem to find as you said it's that toxic masculinity yeah, that makes it harder for them to say come out and say it because we've had like a couple of footballers come out recently over in England like and there still isn't a single Premier League footballer that has come out like and do you know what I mean like and same things with, that, like, same with the NBA same, yeah. like and this is only direct this is a real big case in, in, in rugby like so it's, it's only going to help the game and it's only going to help young people I mean you saw what Nigel Owens has done for people I mean Nigel Owens like tried to commit suicide because he didn't want to come out and tell his parents he was gay I mean that's not right yeah. <laughs> do you know to even think like that is ridiculous and to be the fact that he was put in that position in the first place is shocking 100% yeah. do you know and that was that was the society to put him in that position like so yeah well we ran Union Cup two years ago and, and Nigel was involved and um, even equality having a women's side first off do you know like that rugby is not only a men's game like it was the women's and but what it brought together was the family affair like yes you know there was great sponsors including Bank of Ireland who, who sponsored the show and it was just the weekend in DC was just the epitome of what sport brings and what it values from the grassroots up that it's just people coming together for a common love of a game and which was just crack and there was winners there was losers there was but just everyone had a smile on their face the sun actually shone from <laughs> Thursday until um, yeah Catherine Sapone uh you know, handed over trophies and then it absolutely poured. But uh, yeah, they're just the, the moments we cherish and they're not always. And, and I think we're going to cover yeah. another one now that we'll see covers yeah. the values. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think this, just to kind of the last point about Nick McCarthy's thing is like, it's bigger than rugby. It's bigger than sport. Yeah. Like what, yeah, he, yeah. what was, and himself and Jack Dunn. Like it's just, it's unbelievable to see it and the outpouring of support. Like the Johnny Sexton's, Jack, Gary Ringrose, everyone who's now, everyone's talking with them. And they're they're like no focus on this. This is bigger than rugby. Like so, yeah. I'm delighted for it as a as a as a whole. Um, but moving on because we could talk about that for ages. Is yeah. at my moment of the year, um, bringing it back to Munster. We're trying to claim it as a Munster thing. <laughs> is Ronan O'Gara's win for 
for La Rochelle <laughs> in the European Cup. And Ken Allen got the jukebox of the year. <laughs> can, can, we, can we get roll? my picture with Ronan Dunn growing back up in post? Because, like, you know, yeah. running onto the pitch, and I was like, yeah. I so, just so happy. The moment. Just the Roger's story, I kind of mentioned it before. I was like, for him going <clears> from not getting the send off that he deserved to going down to Crusaders, doing his trade down there, then La Rochelle. Or then Rassing, then La Rochelle. He's been working at that for years and now he finally it's paid off and he's really built a culture in La Rochelle is what I've been told. Um, and just for him to get to get that win is incredible. And I'd say Munster are only gagging to get him back. But I don't think they Won't ever will. be getting will. him back for a while anyway, I'll tell you no, that much. <laughs> no, it was class, wasn't it? I yeah. genuinely enjoyed it. Um, and just so much respect for, he could have easily walked into probably about 50 or 100 coaching jobs in Ireland, mm -hmm. but obviously for him to back himself and go, no, I'm going to go and I'm going to coach in the best environments in the world. Um, and yeah, like the world's his oyster now, isn't it? Uh, yeah, he's probably the most wanted coach in the world right now. Mm -hmm. Himself with the Crusaders coach. Him and Scott Robertson, yeah. yeah. I think Scott Robertson, like he's won like what, five or six now in a row and if he doesn't get that all, if, if he sticks around for another season and doesn't get that all-backs job after the World Cup, yeah. if, if what's name stays on, I think he's going to come over to England or France or something because that's what I'd is. say he's just sick of winning Super Rugby titles at this stage and he needs to come out and test himself because yeah. he's mm -hmm. done, he, he, you know what I mean? Same with O'Gara, like I think, I think O'Gara will stay there. If he wins a top 14 in the next couple of seasons with them, yeah. I think he's the kind of guy that once he's achieved what he can achieve, he moves on. Yeah. Whereas, like as you said, it could be very easy for me. You can go, oh, give me a nice big fat six-year contract with La Rochelle and I'll sit here no matter what happens. And a lot of coaches do that. Yeah. But he's kind of like, okay, and he did the same with Crusaders. He could have stayed. Scott Robinson didn't want him to leave. Yeah. But he's like, all right, I'm going to win a back-to-back Super Rugby titles. Mm. And he's, I'm going to go down to La Rochelle. <laughs> yeah, he went to Racing first then, didn't he? That's what he went to, he went to La Rochelle after, after Crusaders. He went yeah. to Racing straight away. Okay. And then like they, he, they, he actually won a top 14 with Racing. Yeah. Then he went from Racing to the Crusaders, won two Super Bowl titles. I was like, okay, this is, I've done what I can do here. Then he went down to La Rochelle and now he's won the Champions Cup with him. That's a man like grinding, isn't it? Just yeah. learning his trade. Like it's yeah. incredible to see. And it's paid off. And my most, the most impressive thing with Rog is I think the brain power he's put behind beating Leinster. Like, and so many people can't do it. And he's co completely just manufactured twice now. They beat, La Rochelle beat Leinster last year and they beat him this yeah, year. It's so it's like, yeah, it's true. He's obviously seasons. just like so good at just building a culture and a mindset and a game plan. I think that's the most impressive thing about it. Definitely, definitely. Uh, your moment of the season was a really lovely moment. It's only recent enough. Yes, that's uh, the way I am normally. Very uh, you know deep and thoughtful. Um, <laughs> no, it, uh, I picked the medal, medal presentation, um, the final. Just, uh, I just thought it was unbelievable. Uh, I and for years we've been watching like these, particularly with COVID, these ropey kind of metal uh, presentations where they get like old blazers out and do your handshake, do your <laughs> like knock, do your fist, do your fist pump, do your kiss, a few cabbages <laughs> yeah. going around, um, and like you have people taking a silver medal and like I always okay. hate when people are, like really quick to, or like won't let the person put it on. I'm like, come on, like it's not about you. And I just thought, let's get cheesy for a minute. The point that it's all about growing the game that's the that's the whole point that's why we're all here it's what it's the main reason that I love the South African teams being in this competition is because the local lad from Belfast like it wasn't it was uh, what six weeks ago the next generation were sitting looking and see a Khaleesi going that's the guy like that's the guy who's yeah. going to have a movie made about him that's the point of it so I thought a huge uh, tip of the hat to the URC for just thinking of something a little different yeah. and you know being there 
Um, like these kids were just like they were losing it. They couldn't believe it, yeah. and the Stormers players were brilliant with them. And I just I thought it was class. Yeah, well, the South African guys just do it right. Like that's just a beautiful way of like inspiring kids. Like do you know what I mean? And it made as you said the the players engage with them. They wanted to put on the medal, but they usually they just like shake the hand and go over and start cheering yeah. around with the yeah. trophy. So beautifully done. Yeah, it's a good thing. Because like even like if you come to Ireland, like there's lots of like disadvantaged kids or just regular kids and stuff who would love to be in that situation. Because we've got a uh, like a Champions Cup final now. And season in Dublin and we've got we could have a URC final like we could have depending on who gets finishes mm. first like but something we should look at like because there's loads of like different uh, groups of children and groups of kids and stuff that you yeah. can help out and go right instead of having this as you said <laughs> the, blazer. the blue blazer like you know yeah, I think, I way, think like, it will I think people will be um, they won't want to be copycatted but I think the bigger picture is actually um, it's, it's, it shouldn't be a box ticking exercise it's a huge opportunity yeah. Yeah. Like that's a huge opportunity the final uh, of the ERC in Dublin next year like you yeah. could do something really special for <laughs> a group of kids or a group of people or you go traditional and bore the life out of everyone and have like people cabbaging on no. TV that's I can't strange. watch any more of that <laughs> that's strange <laughs> uh, yeah. um, we're running out of time but before we uh, finish up the show we'll have a quick look at uh, the Ireland team because we have got these we're obviously recording this on a Sunday we've got the first the game in New Zealand coming up on Wednesday. We're playing the Maoris in a midweek game. Back to the old school tour. Yes. Um, I don't know. What are we going? What are we looking at for that game, guys? I mean, we like. You want to bring some of those young guys in? Like, do you want to like, give guys like like Nick Timoney game time? Do you want to make sure Gavin Coombs gets game time? Guys like Joe McCarthy, maybe. Um, even someone like Jerry Lockman is uncapped. Is that the kind of way we're going to be looking at approaching this game? Yeah, I think these Maori games. They're there for a reason. They're to play these extra guys. They brought down what forty players. Like they have mm. to, if they're going to do it and like bleed these guys in and give them game time, they have to do it. Like I, w- I'd be kind of disappointed if they just pull out a full starting Irish team with the Johnny Sexons and the Bundys and mm. the Garys. I'm like, what's the point? Like, do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Give these guys game time and see what they're like. And if they play well enough, then they might crack into the like the test team. Yeah. So okay. we'll see. Yeah. What's your, what's, your, what's your prediction for the series, Darren? Do you reckon we can win it? I'm a little bit worried about it actually. I just think it's been a really, really long season, mm-hmm. um, and I do, I, I do feel like this is not the best version of the All Blacks there's been. But I do still feel like they're still the All Blacks. I was on a three-test tour in New Zealand at the end of 2012, ten years ago, and it ain't pretty. It is tough at the end of a long mm-hmm. season. I think that one culminated in 16-0 in Hamilton. So uh, I'm a little bit just. Listen, I hope I'm wrong. There's just one part of me, or just part of me that thinks, like, we're going to get pumped in one of these games. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Are we going to come back? Or if we rotate midweek, which we have to, you can't play your full strength. Like, that's what those... So if we rotate midweek and go full Metal Jackal at the weekend, I, I think there's, I think we could lose all five games. And oh, my I th- God, I think you could, Ooh! I th- and listen, I'm not wow. saying we will. I said I we think could. you could. Yeah, yeah, that's And fair I enough. think um, if you take a tank in in one of the games what that does for your um, overall going into the World yeah. Cup. If Say you ship 50 in one of those games, not, you know, uh, even if the rest of them are close. So, like, I really hope I'm wrong. So I think- just have a little bit, I, have a, I just think it's been a really long season and they've played a lot of rugby and I think New Zealand are going to be better than people think they're going to be because they're New Zealand and New Zealand. Yeah. yeah, I think it's on the flip. When we beat New Zealand up here in the Aviva Stadium, what, last year, whatever month yeah. it was, they were wrecked. Like, they came up after a long season. I think that's why New Zealand got caught in the hop. Obviously, Ireland played well, but New Zealand were, yeah, totally. they were just wrecked, man. They couldn't mm. wait to get home. They've been on the tour for months. Then they went over to France, got beaten up. And now I'm a little bit worried in the back of my head. I think New Zealand are going to be flying it, man. Yeah. They've been quietly going about their business down there. Crusaders are flying it. I Blues think are flying it as well. Blues and Crusaders in the final. Like. Yeah, I 
think they're gonna uh, they're gonna come out at just guns blazing. Yeah. And they're gonna be pissed off for getting a beat. <laughs> the one, I would say as yeah. well, I don't. I, the, the results for the Mari games for me are completely irrelevant. They're yeah. about trying to play well and trying to play players. The other side of that is if you go and you win a game. God forbid you win a series that completely just like that puts Ireland. It actually probably puts Ireland second, and though actually would probably put to win Ireland the top like, of yeah. it. You know, if Ireland win that series, they could go top of the world rankings. Yeah. Definitely would go into second. And how that sets you up going into the World Cup is is so good. It's scary given uh, how things have gone at World Cups after good preparation. So there's a lot on the line for Ireland. I hope I'm wrong. I just have a little bit of a bad feeling about it. Yeah, really. So I think my, my gut feeling is that Ireland are going to do really well down there. I, mm. I, I, I'd be surprised. For some reason, I just think Ireland are going to win it. It might be like a 2-1 win. 2-1. Yeah. I'm feeling they're definitely... I, in my, I think they probably might lose the series, but I have a feeling they'll definitely win at least one of the tests, I think. Yeah. And the Maori games, I'm not too worried about the results in the Maori games. It's about getting your James Humans and getting them game time. Yeah. Like that Maori All Blacks team is going to be damn good. As yeah, people forget, like, it's going to be a very good side. I think if you lost, lost those two midweek games, you won one of the tests and you were really respectable and there were good yeah. competitive games in, in the other tests, I would, I would be happy enough, definitely. Yeah. Well, I think I'm go. I think we'll win one test game. Hopefully, mm. uh, if we won one of the Mary. But my key thing is use the Mary games to reward like men that you've brought down for. You know, you're rewarding them for good performances, yeah. but reward them by making them play because you will not see how they're going to do in an international jersey against some of the best players in the world. And mm. um, if you don't pitch them against them, so I think he will do it because I think he's shown us that you know he's blooded the new players. John McCarthy going in. Do I think he'll he might make a bench? Maybe I don't see him getting a lot of game time, but yeah. I would like to see Keen Prendergast who has been in as a development for the Six Nations. Um I'd like to see uh, Gavin Coombs get a bit of time. Mm. I'd like to see uh, who Nick else Timmy. are we going to... I'd love to see Nick Timmy. I, th- yeah. I really would. I think he's only 26. And as I said, he's had a standout season. I would love to see James Hume yeah. the same. But now is kind of the last opportunity to give these guys a crack at international before they yeah. start really yeah. prepping for the World Absolutely. Cup. Like, yeah. you know, Because it's going to be autumn internationals and then that's the it. Six Nations. But that's going to be like, all right, what team are we playing in the World yeah. Cup? Yeah. Yeah. We, we can't I, make the same mistake that we always make. Yeah. This isn't our World Cup. Next <laughs> yeah. year's the World but Cup. I, I yes. do, like, I, I mean, uh, hopefully I'm not about to be proven wrong. I do, I'm not, like, I'd be amazed. Like, if, that, if there wasn't, if those midweek games weren't happening, that would be a squad of 31. Which to me says that there's nine guys touring there who wouldn't have been touring. Yeah. And I would be amazed, absolutely, like genuinely astounded if those nine guys did not. I would expect, I would expect, like the guys to be. I'd like to see these guys starting. Like when you talk mm-hmm. about giving Gavin game time, yeah. like, like like start. Absolutely, start. Okay. yeah. No, it's right. not an idea. And the way rugby is now, it's not easy to like. To, you say you're playing the All Blacks on a you know on a Saturday and you're on the bench and you get on for it. Like it's not easy then to go and play eighty minutes. So I do think you'll see a lot of. Like if there's 23 players, you know, in a squad, you've got 17 left of us. Well, 15 of them should be starting yeah. or will yeah. be starting. This yeah. is also a good opportunity for them to figure out the halfback issue. Yeah. Obviously, oh, do you know what I mean? Johnny Sexton's there. All right. <laughs> then it's like, OK, Murray, Casey, Harry Byrne, like figure it out now who's mm. going to be that stepping up into the role if, for say, Murray's not there or Sexton's not there. Do you yeah. know what I, mean? I think you, you have to start Joey Carberry in one of those uh, to make the test matches against the All Blacks. I think, I think he has to start yeah. one of those. Has Regardless to. of whether whether we're one one after coming into the third test or whether we're down two nil or up two nil, regardless, he needs to start one of those games because he needs and like he's got a pretty impressive record against 
don't think Joey Carberry he's, he's never lost to the All Blacks he's beaten his oh, in twice yeah, yeah, he's beaten yeah, him yeah, twice so every game he's played in he's won yeah. so he's a bit of a good luck uh, yeah, good yeah. Luck. <laughs> and you're going to love this one Lindsay. I'd love to see Casey get a start against the All Blacks Right, that's it. Go on, that's it. I think my work here is done. I know. What a way to end the show. What a way to end the show. It took us 30 episodes (laughs) and we finally got Greg wants Craig Casey to start. I want to change my moment of the year off the pitch. Let me give my reasons. Let me give my reasons. Okay. First of all, as I always say, I love Casey. He's a Shannon man. Yeah. But now is the chance. Go on, Casey. There's your start. Show us that you can do it now. Do you know what I mean? We know yeah, Murray can do it. Yeah, exactly. You're yeah. dead right. You're dead right. And he's who a guy needs- he needs that game. I think I think he's a guy who can go on and can, can be Ireland starting nine. Yeah. Because he's only let's see, he's only twenty two. Like. I'd love to see Casey going up against Ar- like uh, Aaron Smith. Like oh, I mean, beautiful, class. beautiful pair. Of- class. And forget about poor uh, uh, Jameson Gibson Park. So he's probably oh, going to start those games. So yeah. that's another guy. So there's just some good nines there, but he yeah. might get what a chance. Say, Lindsay. Uh, nothing actually. I'm going to put a question to you: Is who do you think are going to be? who hasn't really played in Ireland Church will get a chance and will stand out on the tour oh gee that's a great question there you go my friend Joe McCarthy who Joe McCarthy there you go you think he's going to be one that steps up after me saying I don't think he'll get a no I just have a feeling that like the guy's only played what 11 or 12 is it like 11 or 12 professionally against rugby I just have a feeling that the re like he is there because Andy Farrell is going this is a guy who can bolt for the World Cup and this style of player is a player that we would really love to have on our armory Mm. and I just feel like um, that's actually not based on from watching him to be clear, I actually haven't seen a lot he hasn't hasn't played a lot of rugby no no, he's a big guy like he's a big unit I just feel like Ireland are crying out for that yeah. um, and I think he's a guy who as I say that is not based on anything I've seen from him in the jersey it's based on what Ireland I think need more than ever and a guy that fits that kind of profile mm-hmm. do you know enforcer kind of role like it's, it's really like South African second row enforcer like a Batty's kind it's, of thing that's what they're the, comparing him to it's the concern yeah. with Ireland going into the World Cup you know what happens against brute force Oh, and you have to meet it with brute force. Mm-hmm. I just yeah. think he's an interesting guy uh, who could come from nowhere to, to really um, be a big part yeah. of the World Cup. One uh, pairing that I'm looking forward to seeing is the wingers. Mm. I'm like, who are they going to put in there? Because Mac and Mac Hansen and James will obviously both play left. Who's yeah. going to play right? Jordan Larmer. Is he just going to step up and take his jersey back, which was his for yeah. a couple of seasons ago? But who who would you see on that right wing? I know Conway's injured. He's in, sitting yeah. home in Ireland. But like that right wing's there. up for I grabs. I think you can put Mac on the right there. I think Mac can play off both sides. And I think he's lovely hands. He's lovely kick. Yeah. I mean, I know like Mac is right right footed, right I believe, footed, and then yeah. James in is left footed. So I think you could do you could play the two of them. Like and jeez, man. Talk about two unbelievable wingers having a back three with then with Hugo Keenan then they're just safe as houses. Like, yeah, I think that I mean? would be the best way to Andy Farrell to do it. Put Mac and James on the wings, but will he like, do it? Like, get your best players out yeah. there. Like, put Mac and, and James close, are going to score it? tries. Yeah, it's close. But I think Jordan Larmer's playing the rugby of his career at the moment. Like, yeah. so do you reward him? Put him on, loving him jinking in around all the yeah, memories and New Zealand guys. I think Rob Balakum would have got in there as well if he wasn't injured. Like, because he's another guy who was playing serious rugby until he got injured. So yeah. We'll just have to see, lads. We'll have to roll on Wednesday and then Saturday and it's going to be a good, oh, good, 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 good few weeks. on Wednesday morning. <laughs> yeah, eight, 8 o'clock in the morning, lads. It's going to be a good one. But uh, unfortunately, lads, that's all we have time for this week yeah. and for this season. So um, I want to thank all the guests that came on this year and, of course, huge thanks to all the producers and the crew in the back. Obviously, couldn't do this without you and, obviously, the three messers. Obviously, you know, it's made my life a lot easier coming up on a... On a 
early this morning now because of Darren. Poor old Darren made me yes. get up at half six this morning and drive up. But you got here, but no lads, it's been a good show. I've enjoyed it. I hope everyone else has enjoyed it. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a great season. Yeah, it's been good having you in, Darren. You've always brought a bit of energy into the show. Ah, sure, you know yourself, nothing better to do. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I can't believe we've come to the end of the season. Like we've had yeah. some amazing guests on. Yeah. Just my standout one is having Contepomi on. That was my favorite episode. Oh yeah, cool. Yeah, nice one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he was very like, like you the whole guess? room just went quiet and just kind of like yeah. he's so interesting. Like what he was saying, like, and he he's like he analyzes rugby in such a way that he lives and breathes it. And you're like, mm. and this guy's also a bloody doctor as well. So mm. like, he's such a clever man. But yeah, I think yeah, he'd be up there. Is he your favorite guest? No, Darren's my favorite. Ah, guest. Actually, actually, what am I saying? Ah, it's actually it. a joint toss of. We had Lindsay on as a guest at the start originally, so it's actually they're my joint favorite guests. Lindsay, in fairness, and Lindsay had such much. an impact as a guest; she's now a presenter. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. I'll take that. No, it was a brilliant season, guys. Thanks very much. And of oh. course, a big thank you to our partners, Bank of Ireland, proud supporters of the four Irish provinces. It's the last episode, guys. We'll see you next season. Thanks very much. Joe presents House of Rugby, United Rugby Championship, together with Bank of Ireland, proud supporter of the four Irish provinces.